Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Well, if you're new or visiting, we're going through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Holy Spirit and the gifts, and I encourage you to continue to read every single week chapters 12, 13, and 14, because I'm going to say certain things that are out of chapter 14 or 13, and you're going to be like, where's he at? What's he talking about? So you read ahead. I don't have time to explain every little detail each Sunday, but we'll eventually get through these chapters, and it's going to slow down here for a little bit because we want to explain these gifts in detail. I look back at my previous notes that I taught in 07, that's the last time I taught these verses and I had 11 pages of notes. That's not going to happen this morning. We got to speed it up a little bit, but uh, you know, it is what it is. But that means that you as a Christian, because we don't spoon feed things here at Calvary, uh, we whet your appetite and it's your responsibility to go home and be a Berean and to see if these things are so and to do further study to deepen your walk with Christ. You cannot just deepen your walk with Christ on one session on a Sunday morning for 45 minutes. That's that's not going to work. Try eating one meal a week and tell us how you do. It's not going to work. You need to dig and dig and dig and what does this all mean and is this true and do I incorporate this into my life so I can share it with somebody else? That's that's what it's all about. So we're going to look at some verses here. Let's start in verse uh, 1, just to get our context of our text. 1 Corinthians 12, 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant or uneducated, unlearned. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Holy Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administrations, ministries, but the same Lord. There are different... There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is given to each one for the profit of all. And we talked about that the last couple weeks, so you can get CDs, they're available. But the emphasis of 12, 13, and 14 is the Holy Spirit. And so again, as you're sitting here, you might be new, you might be visiting, you might be already shutting down because you were taught that the gifts died with the apostles uh, or that the gifts are not relevant to today or speaking of tongues, if you speak in tongues, you're of the devil. If you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. All of this stuff that we bring to the table from past religious experiences, we need to wash it through the word of God. We need to cleanse our mind via the word of God. Not that we have it all together, not that I've got it down perfectly, but we want to get as close as possible to what the Bible teaches us, not what did man teach us. Hopefully man is going to teach us what the Bible teaches us, and that's why we go verse by verse. It makes it way easier to keep everything in its right place when you go verse by verse. So the verses for this morning... For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. 
Father, we thank you and praise you for the morning. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And your Holy Spirit gives the gift of teaching. And so I pray that you would give me the gift of teaching. And Lord, I pray for uh, all of our hearts, whether we're married, single, young, old, been in the Lord 40 years, been in the Lord two weeks. We need more of your Holy Spirit, as Jesus taught us. Ask, seek, knock. For my Father will give you more of the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time occurrence. So Lord, even this morning, maybe we are filled with anxiousness about what's happening in our culture. Maybe we're worried. Uh, Maybe our jobs are on the line. If we don't do certain things, uh, they've told us that we're going to be fired. Uh, Maybe our family members uh, think we're extremists. Maybe they mock us or ridicule us for not doing our part in whatever that might be. Father, all these things are real, and we have to deal with them. We're in the human race. So, Lord, give us strength through your Holy Spirit to bring Jesus to the table. At the end of the day, nothing else matters. Help us to bring Jesus to the table. Even as we go into the holidays here, let us not be consumed with the ships (laughs) that are out in the ocean, but let us bring Jesus to the table. He's not lost. He's not held captive. He's here. He came to set people free. And Lord, we need that in our own lives as well as the unbelievers. So Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit this morning and help us to have ears to hear and hearts to be transformed. We don't need another Bible study per se. We need a heart transformation to be more like Jesus in these evil days. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've been studying one of the most important aspects of living out, living out our Christian faith. If you're having a hard time living out your Christian faith, it's probably because you're relying on uh, a political party, uh, you're relying on your own intelligence, uh, you're relying on someone else's intelligence, someone else's decision making. No, it's individual and the Holy Spirit and his gifts for your life will help you in these days we're living in. And Paul has once again revealed his heart to his spiritual children. His desire is that they would not be uneducated about the gifts. And that is my desire as we go through these chapters is that we would not be uneducated, but we'd know their proper use and how to use them effectively. You see, it's amazing how the enemy will try to make something wonderful, something that God desires to bless us with. This is amazing. Into something that causes fear. Something that causes fear. Now, the main way to remove fear is to study all of the scriptures and place them in their proper context from Genesis to Revelation. And when we do that, we begin to see how much God loves us and desires to fill us with more of the Holy Spirit. It's in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit's in the Old Testament. David prayed for it. It is the Holy Spirit that causes us to grow up, to mature, and take on the attributes of being a mature Christian, not being tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Remember, mature Christians do not make the enemy happy, the spiritual enemy. So he will try his best to keep the fear factor alive and active. You see, for Christians, though, we have the most powerful weapon known to man. Do you guys know what the most powerful weapon known to man is? It's got to be that new guidance system that Israel just invented and came out with, that with lasers they can knock down missiles, right? That's got to be the most powerful weapon. It, It is... Technically the most powerful weapon right now. 
They have invented one of the most powerful weapons right now. But is it the most powerful weapon known to man? No. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing. Guys, this is for you and me as Christians. Sometimes when we read these verses, we have them memorized. We go, oh yeah, I know that verse. Great, you know it, but are you allowing, am I allowing the Holy Spirit to do what the verse says? Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. And of the joints and marrow, and as a discerner, this is for you and I, as well as the unbeliever, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, because another verse says in the Bible, my heart is desperately wicked. Even now, being 43 years in the Lord, my heart, apart from the Holy Spirit, is desperately wicked. And if you don't think so, next time you get in an argument about the vax or a mask, Think of what you're thinking when you walk away. <laughs> oh, I wish that person was. Yeah, because your heart is desperately wicked. This is reality. So how do we keep a heart in check? Via the Holy Spirit. Via the Holy Spirit. So we, as we continue in our studies, we need to stay focused on the word so that we might become effective spiritual warriors. We don't need any more physical weapons. For we fight a battle that is not against flesh and blood. I encourage you to memorize this verse. Because we have these battles day long. Supervisors, on the freeway. When is this idiot going to learn how to drive? It happens throughout our day. We don't realize that we're battling, but we are. And most of the time we're losing. Because we stay in that physical realm. And once that person does something to us, then we can meditate on that for a half hour, for an hour. At the end of the day, we can go home and talk about it. It's, it's consumed us, so to speak. For, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Now, if you're new to Christian faith, these are the spiritual host in heaven that's being talked about here. Those angelic fallen beings against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. If you're new to Christianity, there is a God of this world, little g. Satan is called the God of this world, little g, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. You see, these demons can only be in one place at one time. That's why they're little g's. We serve big G, God the Father. And he gives us the Holy Spirit that resides in every single Bible-believing Christian in this room right now. Can you explain that to me? No, it's impossible. But that's God, and that's the Holy Spirit. So in verse 8, we see now the gifts, for, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. We've already read it. We're just going to go through verse, half of verse 9. To another, the word of knowledge through the same, what? Spirit. To another, faith by the same. One Holy Spirit, guys. One Holy Spirit. And we learned this in our marriage 38 years ago. There's one Holy Spirit, and I'm not it. As I was picking apart my wife, and my wife was picking me apart for two years and almost getting ready to divorce, we had to learn, wait a minute, there's only one Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit that dwells in you dwells in me, so why am I playing the Holy Spirit? I need to stop and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he does best. He discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. I can see some outward expression of it, but I don't necessarily know the root, 
The Holy Spirit knows the root. And that's how we transform our lives is by allowing the Holy Spirit to get to the root of my anger, the root of my hatred, the root of my bitterness, the root of my frustration. What is that root? The Holy Spirit will show you if you allow him to do that. So as we start this list of various gifts given to these young believers for the building up of the church, we're going to see it's not a total list. It is not a total list. Matter of fact, there's five more listed in 1 Corinthians 12. We'll get to them, 28. There's five listed in Romans 12, 6 through 8. There's two listed in Ephesians 2, 4, 11. And there's eight listed here in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 8, 8 through 10. So, as we go through these, that's 20 as you count them up. And depending on how a person might look at spiritual gifts, you could end up into the upper 20s as far as spiritual gifts. Please don't come to me afterwards and start arguing about spiritual gifts. The number of spiritual gifts. That is totally irrelevant. And I will not argue with you. Just read your Bible, learn the spiritual gifts, apply them, implement them, and we'll all be better off, okay? So some of these things that people get in the habit of arguing about are just totally useless. So for us this morning, we're going to look here at the word of wisdom. What is the word of wisdom? You see, there's obviously general wisdom gained through knowledge and experience. God is not a respecter of persons, for James tells us that he will bless anyone who asks of him, that God will bless anyone with what? With more wisdom. You need more wisdom? God will give you wisdom. It comes from above. But we are talking about supernatural wisdom here, and how does that work? I would encourage you to look at 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 28. It gives us a great story about two women and their children. God gave King Solomon the gift of wisdom. The gift of wisdom, I believe. In the early church, Acts 15, 1 through 31, some religious Christians came from Judea to Antioch to talk about circumcising, circumcising the new Gentile believers. Paul and Barnabas said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No, no, we're not going there. And they went back to Jerusalem, a group of them, to have the first council. And we see in Acts 15, 5, we read this, but some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, so notice the religious Jews were getting saved, but what were they clinging to? They were clinging to the law. They were clinging to works. I believe in grace, but you gotta be water baptized to be saved. I believe in grace, but you gotta be, you gotta speak in tongues to be saved. So don't throw this out as 2,000 years ago, really weird people. It's happening today in Christianity. It's happening today in Christianity. It's Jesus plus something. Jesus plus anything is a work. Jesus plus anything is a work. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Now, do we need to do other things to grow and mature in Christ? Absolutely. It is necessary, notice the argument here, it is necessary. Great, they're saved. But it is necessary to circumcise them. Hello. Ouch. And to command them to keep the law of Moses. Is that what Jesus taught? I don't find Jesus teaching that. I don't find that in the Acts. I don't find that in the epistles. And you won't either. Now again, the Holy Spirit allows me through the Holy Spirit, through the love of God, to keep the law. It just naturally comes to the Holy Spirit. Because if you break the one aspect of the law, which is 613 commandments, you break one of those, Paul says, you've broken them all. They're of no value. So if you're here today and you're trying to work your way to heaven by keeping certain laws and commandments, let me tell you right now, you're going to fail. And you're going to fail miserably. 
you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're going to die and go to hell. You need a Savior because you will never get your way to heaven by through works. So if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today would be a good day to get saved. After Peter shared his thoughts, James stood up and shared with what I would call the gift of wisdom. And again, you find the whole account in Acts chapter 15. This is what James says. This is a half-brother of our Savior, Jesus. In 19, therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols. That's a good one. From sexual immorality, that's a really good one, sex outside of marriage. From things strangled, so don't stop and throw roadkill in the back of your truck on your way home. I, I think that's a pretty good deal. And from blood, just don't drink blood. So is that hard? Would that be hard for any of you to accomplish? <laughs> just living the Christian faith. Now again, they didn't have all the epistles. They didn't have the New Testament like we have. So we don't create a whole doctrine out of these four things, but this was the early guidance of the early church. Very, very important. John chapter 8, the woman who was caught in the very act of adultery. In John 8, 7, so when they continued asking Jesus, Jesus lifted up himself and said to them, he that is without sin among you, let first him cast a stone at her. See, I see this gift of word of wisdom as speaking of those times when there is confusion in a situation and the Holy Spirit gives you something to say or to do that diffuses that situation. And if you look up those things that I've referenced, you'll see that's not always a spiritual thing. There were physical things. Here with Jesus is a physical thing that had spiritual implications. It's not a gift that you and I can turn on or off, such as earthly wisdom but a supernatural gift that can bring unity to believers as well as to unbelievers. This could also be a gift in use when someone else asks you a question about the word and you're not sure of an answer. And have any of you ever had that? People ask me questions and I'm like, uh, let me think about that. And as I think about it, the Lord will give me a verse and then the Lord will give me another verse and then the Lord will give me a cross-reference verse and it's not because I have them memorized, because I, I don't, unfortunately. I wasted my brain in the 70s, if you're newer visiting. I got a two-week memory. I'll have to ask you on a regular basis, what's your name again? It's just the way it is. I was praying for somebody that came to the church for years. And after she got done to ask me what she needed to pray for, I said, looked at her, and Claudia's standing right next to me, and Claudia knew what was coming. She's going, oh, no. No, 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 no. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. What's your name again? Even the girl said, are you serious? I haven't said it in a few weeks. What's your name? Give me a break. You guys know everybody's name in this room? We, we cut each other slack around here. But you start to give the answer and the Lord reveals various verses to your mind to clearly and, and solidify your answer. And when you walk away like I do, I walk away and I go, thank you, Jesus. That was incredible. It's all the Holy Spirit. So if you have the intellect and you want to take credit, you do that. I don't do that. I give him all the credit because I don't have the intellect. Now, I'm reading from Genesis to Revelation, so that gives him something to work with, and that's what you should do. But give him all the credit. The next gift we see here, so to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. 
to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Uh, The next gift we see listed here is the word of knowledge, and this sounds very similar to the gift of wisdom. But as we will see, it is quite different. Just as the word of wisdom is not gained through earthly knowledge, I believe that the word of knowledge is not gained through earthly teaching. You see, the word of wisdom as well as the word of knowledge, as we've just read, is only given by the Holy Spirit through a supernatural revelation. You just read it. That's what the Bible says. So this isn't day-to-day wisdom and day-to-day knowledge. And since we know that the gifts come straight from the throne of God, and since we know that God is all-knowing, then obviously he understands all things, which should really be reassuring to us. So the word of knowledge, this is information given to a person about someone or some situation that they could have not known otherwise. Elijah is a wonderful example of a person who often received the gift of knowledge in the Old Testament. And I gave you three that you could take a picture of or write down. We'll leave them up there for a second. Do your study. Do your study. What is the gift of knowledge? In the New Testament, Peter at Caesarea Philippi proclaimed that Jesus was the Christ and which Jesus then said in Matthew sixteen seventeen, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. And what are we discussing here? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we like to take credit for things. Don't take credit when the Holy Spirit does something. Give him the glory. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. My Father who is in heaven. You see, Peter had a word of knowledge when Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the funds for themselves. You'll find the story in Acts chapter 5, 1 through 11. In Paul, in Acts 27, 9 through 11, now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them saying, men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, but only of, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. This gift can and has been misused or abused over the centuries, especially in a large group. Someone might say that there is someone here this morning. I think I have a gift. There's someone here this morning that has back issues. That's it. Anybody here this morning have back issues? (laughs) So would that be the gift of knowledge? No. But some people will pass it off on the gift of knowledge. Now, if I was to say, you know, somebody has a back issue over here, they're, they're sitting in section five, uh, they're a male, they're wearing a blue shirt, please stand up, that was probably orchestrated beforehand, or it was truly a gift of knowledge. It has to be very, very specific. But as we have seen, the word of knowledge is more exact than that. It is a word from the Lord that is very direct because remember, he knows all things. I don't, he does. It can also be a word that can be very uncomfortable, especially, especially when it might involve sin. But if God gives us the word of knowledge, it's better to obey than to walk away. And sometimes we don't like using the gifts because it's going to make us uncomfortable, it's going to make someone else uncomfortable, and we're like, "Mm, I'm not going to step out. But you see, here's something very important about the gifts I'd like you to realize. 
When God is stirring us to do something and we don't do it, we don't use the gift, that use might have been watering, fertilizing, or planting the gospel in somebody else's life. Because all of a sudden we use that gift, whatever it is, we use that gift, and all of a sudden they go, how did you know that? Or why did you do that? Well, you know what? I'm glad you asked. I, I, there was the Holy Spirit, and I have the gift of hospitality, and you know what? I just, I just wanted to bake you a cake, or I just wanted to make you a meal. So now what you've done is you haven't glorified yourself. You've explained to them very quickly that there are gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit inspired me to do this. I didn't want to do it, but I did it. And I'm blessing you. Now you've watered, you've planted, you've fertilized. And they might go, wow, who did that? Where does he live? Who did that? You're planting thoughts of faith in that person's life that might not have faith. So we have to look outside of ourselves and how we get uncomfortable or we feel like, oh, I don't think this is God saying this. I'm going to look silly. I'm going to look really dumb. No, be, be silly for Jesus. Step out. And you will find more often than not, it truly was the Holy Spirit. But again, what does the enemy do? He works on fear. He works on fear. Fear neutralizes faith. So as we're going over these gifts, you want to remember it, it goes both ways. You're going to be blessed but you're going to bless somebody else. And not always just materially. You might be blessing them spiritually where they actually see, wow, God is real. This popped into my mind two weeks ago. Um, this actually happened as I was discipling somebody. And he looked at me like, how did you know that? And I go, I didn't. We were reading the word of God. The Holy Spirit put it into my mind. I asked you a question. You answered the question. I had a sense that that was going to be the answer. And I said, you see how the Holy Spirit works? We just read some verses. It was in your life because he was a young believer. I'm trying to help him see how the Holy Spirit will work in his life so that he can see it himself. And he's going, that's, that's crazy. I go, it's not me. That's just the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to be around you all the time pointing things out. That's not my role. You have the Holy Spirit. How is the Holy Spirit talking to you? How is the Holy Spirit talking to you in your daily devotions? I don't do daily devotions, pastor. Okay. That's the first problem. You need to do daily devotions so you can hear the Holy Spirit talking to you. Whatever that looks like, morning, noon, or night, you need to be doing daily devotions. Not for salvation. Grow up. Salvation's off the table. It's now for sanctification. Sanctification is that little dash between your birth date and your death date. Claude and I like going to cemeteries. We like going, it's just, it's just neat to walk through cemeteries and, and look at them and see what's written on the plaques and the dates. And we found some really old headstones, Two, 200 plus year old headstones. But the dash is what matters. They're dead. They're dead. They're either in heaven or hell. What they did lives on, but it's that dash. What's your dash looking like right now? See, as we look at faith here in verse 9, to faith, uh, to another faith by the same spirit. It's a very interesting word. Everyone has some type of faith. When you get up in the morning, you have faith that there's going to be water to flush the toilet, to brush your teeth, and to take a shower with. You have faith that the milk you're pouring in your coffee or on your cereal has not been, has not been poisoned by some nut in a factory. When you're heading home and you're driving at 40 plus miles an hour, you have faith that that person who's had a really bad day and is heading at you with his F-250 truck 
is going to stay on his side of the road. That takes a lot of faith. You have faith. You have faith when you go out to eat. Now, some restaurants, they require more faith than others, but you still go out, right? You have faith. Sometimes when you take a trip, you climb into an aluminum cylinder. You have faith that you're being flown by a competent pilot that hasn't been drinking. If you guys, I don't know if you guys ever saw those st- stories. Pilot's arrested, dra- dragged out of the cockpit because he was drunk. But you have faith that you're going to get safely to your destination. And probably the greatest expression of faith that is common to mankind around the world is that when you marry someone, you have the faith to believe that they're going to love you and stay with you all the days of your life, for better, for worse. That's faith. That's a lot of faith. What's interesting about this type of faith, though, is this faith is based upon past experience with humans. You see, we develop trust in someone or something, and then we call that faith. And in a way, it is faith, but we want to talk about biblical faith. It's pretty obvious that everyone has some type of faith, but what about the faith, gift of faith that is mentioned here in the Bible? Well, before we talk about the gift of faith as referenced here in this verse, it's important to realize that there are various aspects of faith found within the Bible. First and foremost, there is saving faith, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. Do you have that faith? I believe a majority of you in here do. If you do not, the faith that you have in pilots and other people will not get you to heaven. You need to have saving faith. That's what this is called, saving faith. So when somebody asks you, how do you know you're saved? I have faith in God. And you quote reference, you reference Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. This aspect of faith is available to anyone who would seek after a personal relationship with God. So when we talk about the word faith within Christianity, it is not just believing in something, but it is receiving God's free gift of faith. You see, it's a free gift from God, and he's willing to share it with all of humanity. When a person accepts that faith, that person now becomes saved, set apart by God, sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day they die. It's called saving faith. Another aspect of the Christian faith is persevering faith. Persevering faith. This aspect of the faith is also available to everyone, and we see it throughout the scriptures in the lives of various people. Abraham had this aspect of the faith. When he was instructed by God to leave his homeland to go to Cana, When you were instructed to leave and come to Arizona, now you have to persevere through hell. (laughs) June, July, and August. If you haven't been there, you will, and you'll understand what I'm saying. In a few months. So persevering faith. Abraham was uh, instructed to leave his homeland and go to Canaan, which is modern-day Israel. He listened, and he was given the faith to go. Hebrews 11, 9, 10 says this. By faith he dwelt, Abraham, in the land of promise as it in a foreign country. You might be feeling foreign right now, and I get it. I moved here in 77. It was a foreign land. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, For he waited for the city, very important. For he waited for the city which has foundations, which builder and maker is God. 
What is that telling us about Abraham? He was looking to heaven. Oh, you want me to leave? You want me to leave? But I'm so comfortable. I have my family here. Relatives are here. I have prosperity here. You want me to leave? This does not make sense. But I trust you, so I'm going to do it. And God gave him persevering faith. Moses had persevering faith. Joseph, the second youngest son of Jacob, had persevering faith. Paul is another great example of persevering faith. There are many more mentioned throughout the scriptures. Far too many to mention here this morning. But you know, we do not have to only look back. I know there are saints here this morning who are persevering in the faith. Romans 12 says this, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us a measure of faith. You know, what are you going through? I already shared with you a little of what I'm going through. I, I literally, this is not a joke, I literally do not have a memory. And so I've had to persevere through that knowing that, God, you're going to take care of me, you're going to provide, and you're going to give me the wisdom I need at the given time. What is your thing? You see, Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and I believe it's his eyesight. It's found in various letters. He had to persevere. It was an ailment. He prayed three times, God, take this away from me. I can serve you better if you take it away from me. And what was his response? God's response? No, no. I'm not taking it away from you, you prideful religious brat. My interpretation. Paul was very, Saul was very prideful. And part of the breaking process is breaking us of our own pride, whatever that might look like. For Paul, I believe it was the eyes. He had to, he had to trust somebody else to write his letters. He had to trust somebody else to read for him. He could do it. But even says in Galatians, I've written to you in my own large handwriting. Really big letters. Even says in Galatians, I, I, I know that you love me so much, you would have given me your eyes. There's other things as well in the scriptures that tell us most likely that's what it was. But it, irrelevant, it's irrelevant. What's your thorn? Are you persevering? Or are you complaining? Are you allowing God to build your faith? Or are you allowing the enemy to tear down your faith? You still got faith. You're saved. That's off the table. Again, mature. Get past that. We're talking about faith here. Where is your faith and how is your faith growing? Because you have a testimony and people need to hear about your testimony. You see, each and every Christian has been given a measure of faith. We just read it. So that we might persevere through this mission of life that has been set before us. It always comes down to this. Is that individual, am I willing to step out into that area of faith? If that person steps out, God will never disappoint, guys. He will never disappoint. How can a person persevere through all the various trials and tribulations that come into our lives as Christians? Simple answer, Hebrews 12, 2, by staying focused on Jesus. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 2,000 years ago, guys, you, you look around the room right now. There's a great cloud of witnesses in this room. I get 40 minutes to discipline you, to discipline you, to disciple you, <laughs> to disciple you, to help you grow up in the ways of the Lord so that you can go out and do the work of the ministry. That's my role. 
But I bet any one of you could stand up and give us a five-minute talk on how God has, has blessed you and helped you persevere through certain things. So guys, as we're going down this road, is 2022 going to get easier for everybody? Are we going back to normal? No. We are never going back to normal. There's a new norm. Two steps forward, one step back. Three steps forward, one step back. Jesus is coming back. So we got to get ready for what's going to come at us. It's, it's not like it's not going to happen like we used to say in 2019. Well, that'll never happen. And then 2020 hit, right? And the, 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 that that would never happen is still happening. You know, only 14 days. Just give us 14 days, the government said in March. We know what we're doing. It's only going to be 14 days and everything will be fine. I think that was a long time ago. So who are we going to trust in? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, each one of you in this room have a different race than me. We're all Christians. But my race is a little bit different than your race. And that's okay. We're not competing against each other. We shouldn't be anyways. We should just stay in our lane and run the race. Looking what? Well, looking unto Jesus. Well, I think I skipped some, right? No, I didn't. Run with race, the endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Isn't that amazing? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. That doesn't sound fun to me. Despising the shame and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But that's our Savior. That's our Savior. So what is the gift of faith? I believe it is a gift given by God to do something that just doesn't make sense. God gave Noah the gift of faith when he asked Noah to build an ark. You see, there had never been a rainstorm before Noah started building the ark. Can you imagine the ridicule for 100 years? What's a rainstorm, Noah? Never happened before. God gave Joshua the gift of faith on one occasion when they first went into the promised land. Joshua, here's your battle plan. I want you to walk around Jericho one time per day. Don't say anything. Just walk around Jericho, you and the rest of the people. And on the seventh day, walk seven times around Jericho and then yell and shout and the walls will come tumbling down. Now, if you're Joshua, what are you going to be thinking in your head? Well, you've got 40 years spending with Moses. You've been in the tabernacle day and night. So you're really not going to think, okay, God, this isn't going to work. You're going to go, okay, okay. Now, as you went back to your troops and told them what you're going to do. Now, they might have been going, ah, Joshua, that ain't going to work. So you have to be that leader and go, this is what God told me to do. This is the direction we're heading. Either get on board or get off, but this is what we're doing. And God did it. God did it. God took care of it. You see, God believed. Joshua believed God, and he acted accordingly. What is God asking you to do? And you're still not acting accordingly. Maybe he's been asking you to do something for the last five or ten years. And you're still putting it off. Because why? Because you're not smart enough. You see, you're not, you're, not re, you're not relying upon the gift of faith. Peter had the gift of faith take place when he and John were going to the temple to pray in Acts chapter 3, 1 through 10. You see, there was a man there who was carried to the gate beautiful day after day, month after month, year after year. He had faith that someone would give him enough coins, enough money, to sustain his earthly life. How many times did Jesus walk by this man? The beautiful gate. Jesus walked by this man numerous times. 
But it was this day, a very special day in eternity, in which God was going to heal this man of his physical infirmities so that he might be healed spiritually. You see, I think that we have had the privilege of receiving this gift on various occasions over the years. As we're going over the gifts, look back at your own life and see what God has done in you and through you. That's my encouragement. This week, look back in your life and see when God gave you that gift of faith. And I think you'll be surprised how active he was in your life and still wants to be. Stepping out again personally for us into the ministry was a gift of faith. I was making very good money at Motorola. It made no sense economically. We went 10 years with no health insurance. I took a half a cut in pay. My self-made millionaire brother called me, one of the few times he's ever called me, and said, what are you doing? You're married. You got four kids. What? When did this happen? Don't you know what you're doing? No, I do know what I'm doing. God has called me, and he's going to take care of me. You see, I just shared about God and put some seeds into his life. He hasn't received Christ yet. He's 71, 72. Still praying for him. Hope he does one of these days before he takes his last breath because millions don't get you into heaven. Only Jesus. It takes faith, but God, the Holy Spirit, will give it to you if you ask him to do it. Cheryl had the gift of faith through the stepping out of the preschool here at the church. I didn't ask her to do it. The Holy Spirit inspired her. She came and talked to me, however many years ago it was, 15, 16 years ago. And she said, I believe that God wants us to have a preschool. I go, okay, great. What are you going to do about it? It's not me. It's not my faith. When I went on the staff with a senior pastor, that, that Pastor John Higgins over at Tri-City, wonderful man of God, when I sat in my interview and talked to him about the ministry, he goes, do you, get, do you got enough faith? Do you really believe God's calling you in the ministry? I go, yes, I do. I, I really believe he's calling me in the ministry. Good, because I don't have your faith. I got faith for me. You're going to have to live your faith. Because if things go south, you're not going to have a job. I'm still going to have a job. Okay, but that, that's okay. Yeah, I really believe God's calling me out. See, it takes that Holy Spirit giving you that step of faith to minister to you. Mike and Diane, they used the gift of faith to start a food pantry here. It lasted for 10 years. Over the years, there have been numerous examples because of the saints that were available. Available. And as you think about this gift, you can probably come up with a time in your life where God has given you this gift. You see, it is to be a testimony, as I've already shared, about God's gift of faith given to you for the edifying of the body of Christ. If you're new, this might be your first Sunday. I've said this last two Sundays. I will continue to say it. The gifts are not about you. The gifts are about God and how he wants to minister to the body of Christ through you. Are you available? But not only the church, even throughout the week, you can use your gifts to the unbeliever and plant and water and fertilize. Last slide. Please keep that in mind. Again, the gifts are not self-generated. So even as I teach this, don't go home and think, okay, I'm going to make this happen. Be humble and say, God, I need more of your Holy Spirit. 
They're not self-generated to be used for selfish purposes. Yeah, if I just get that gift, everybody will look at me. Everybody will see me and they'll know I'm really super spiritual. But given by the Holy Spirit for the edifying of the church. Father, we thank you and praise you that it is all about your Holy Spirit. And we thank you and praise you that you haven't, even as your son says, said, that he wasn't going to leave us orphaned, trying to figure this out on our own. But he told the disciples, as we've already read, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come in you. In Acts, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And he will be with you forever. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all the gifts and how you will use them at various times throughout the day, throughout the week as we surrender our time to you and surrender our lives to you. But maybe some of us in this room have stifled the Holy Spirit for years, if not decades. They're saved. They're going to heaven. But maybe out of fear, they're not stepping out. Maybe out of past abuses from other church experiences, they don't think they're real. The enemy is mocking the gifts in their head. Lord, I pray for us all that we would truly, as we go over these verses and read 12, 13, and 14 again this week, that we come to grasp and understand we need to be ready for 2022. And it's not through guns and ammunition and rice. It's through Jesus taking the gospel to a dying world. Lord, help us to lift our eyes to heaven. Even as Abraham, we're only visiting this place at the end of the day as we celebrated a sister's life yesterday. What a great testimony, Father, of your faithfulness in her life and how she ministered to so many people through her 75 plus years. Lord, we want, we want to hear that at our Well, we won't hear it, but we want others to hear about our testimony as well. And that will only be because we've submitted to the Holy Spirit. So fill us afresh this morning with your Holy Spirit. As we go out this week, help us to minister via the Holy Spirit. Our flesh is lazy, but you will give us strength through your Holy Spirit. Use us this week in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.